Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, coming to you from the Fish Hunt Northwest studio located here in Olympia, Washington. Welcome everybody to the show uh, today. A little little rain, buddy, huh? Uh, a little rain, because we got a lot of rain. We got <laughs> oh, more coming too. It's just starting. Yeah, it's, it's just, just starting. Us taking a little uh, hiatus, heading for some sunshine yeah. for a couple days. Um, probably right on time. Yeah, I'm gonna be swimming on my elk hunt this yes, weekend. Yes, you are. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be nasty, but hopefully them buggers will be out walking around. So, mm-hmm. lots of uh, content and information to get through tonight, Tommy. Holy cow, I got you some notes piled in there. Yes, so, um, we will get through it all. Welcome everybody to the show. If it's your first time joining us here, especially on Root Sports, I want to welcome you to the show and uh, remind you, please take time, jump over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. There you're going to find some coupon codes, Edge Rods. Now we've updated that to FHN30. We're actually uh, doing a promo sale, primarily steelhead rods and real combos. I'll get into that in a little bit, but FHN30, you are now going to save 30% on all fishing rods that are not already attached to a previous uh, sales coupon or reduced in pricing. So quite a significant jump there, Tommy, as we get through, <clears throat> excuse me, November. Uh, then also, of course, Phelps Game Calls, Fish Hunt NW10 at checkout. All Phelps Game Calls, 10% off through Fish Hunt Northwest through the end of the year. So speaking of that, I went down to Edge yesterday and put together a uh, promo package with the guys. Worked with Big Mike in the, in mm-hmm. the, uh, in the pro shop. And uh, hey, it looks like we're getting some steelhead opportunity this season. And if you've been putting it off for a couple of years, I, I told Alex and, and Big Mike, like, hey, man, we got to put some combo combinations together here to, to get people some new gear in their hands. Yeah, for they sure. want to be fishing these edge rods, and let's couple it up with a reel. So got some smoking deals going for you guys. Now, the Silver Widow is the creme de la creme. I mean, it is the top of the line, really high perf- uh, performance level uh, fishing rod. And you're going to get that. Anywhere from a 9.3 to 11.4, mm-hmm. all rods are priced the same. It's just a matter of how long of a rod you want to fish. And the line weights vary from 6 to 15 to 8 to 20. Just fantastic equipment to put in your hand. So the, uh, the Silver Widow is a high-performance rod, and, but we're coupling that with, uh, with a real either um, spinning or casting. And um, you're going to get it with a uh, Daiwa Ballistic 2500X, and that combination for that Silver Widow is 650 out the door. 
You can also order it uh, online and enter the coupon code. You're going to save money. They'll ship. Casting, you're with the uh, Dawa Talua and um, 150. That's 600 bucks. Now, I have some of the Black Widow series, which are also fantastic rods. Again, you can get those in nine, nine-ish to 11 foot, um, six to 15, eight to 20 pound variants there. Spinning with the Dawa Ballistic again, uh, 2,500X. That's a $500 package. That is a really, really good deal. Saving 30% on that rod for sure in the combination. Casting with the Daiwa Tatula uh, uh, 150, that's 450. That's also a screaming deal. Can't go wrong with that. A casting setup for 450 and it's a Black Widow uh, edge rod. You definitely want to take advantage of that. And then also they got their first strike combinations going out the door with spinning combos. Uh, the Fuego 2500D, 325 bucks for a first strike combo with a spinning reel or casting with the Daiwa that's 375 out the door. So you're going to save a ton of money. This sale goes all the way through the end of November. Take advantage Ooh. of it because you will definitely want to be using it. All right, running down the show, Tommy. We got a ton to get through, my friend. FHN on the water, Coastal River. I was joined by my buddy Scott Call, partner at Brad's, of course. You guys all know him. We joined longtime friend Jared Katie, Get Him Dry Fishing Company, for a day of fall salmon and a monsoon, Tommy. A flat out monsoon. Part two of that with Jared and Scott. And uh, we attempted to drift fish some Brad's Super Baits, the Kokanee Cup Plugs. How did we do? You have to check this out. It's pretty entertaining. Uh, Bait Lab, following up the video because we didn't have time. Going to show you the gear and the rigging that we deployed that day and how we found success. Um, then we get into the, the nuts and bolts, Thomas. We're going to review Fish and Wildlife Commission Wildlife Committee meeting. I took you guys through this pain a couple weeks ago. Uh, where do I even begin? Wait till you hear what comes out of the mouths of some of the commissioners. Uh, Tommy, then you and I are going to spend a couple segments really delving deep here into the Grays Harbor Steelhead Town Hall. How'd it go? Do we have an opportunity to chase steelhead this season? Part two of that is going to be a complete breakdown by the numbers and why we should be fishing this south coastal region this uh, this season for sure. So lots of info to get through, lots of entertainment coming your way. Don't go anywhere, jump out for a quick break. We come back, gonna watch parts one and two of us on the coastal rivers with Jared Katie. After this break, right here, Fish in the Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. All right, welcome back here in the studio. We're going to forego the uh, bait lab this evening. No big deal. Uh, lots of content to get through, Tommy. And I want to jump to the, uh, the wildlife committee meeting wildlife committee meeting that i watched here the other day yeah definitely interesting i think you know and, and so when we say wildlife committee so when we say wildlife committee it is not to be confused with the wildlife commission the wildlife committee 
is a subcommittee of the commission, right? Correct. So the commission, you have nine panel members, three that represent the west side, three that represent the east side, and then three that are at large. That makes up the nine. And then with the wildlife committee, the subcommittee, there are four members of which um, this committee is chaired by none other than Lorna Smith, <laughs> yes. who has come out and, and declared her uh, dislike for hunting. Yeah, you, you could categorize her almost as anti-hunting. Yes. And she is the chair. She's the chair, Because yes. of her expertise to oversee the wildlife committee. Now, I don't even know where to start. I sat through this painstaking task of watching it once again, and um, and I covered, kind of covered the previous meeting a few weeks ago mm -hmm. when you weren't here and, and subjected folks to that. Um, Commissioner Reagan, who is not on the wildlife committee but a commissioner, was there as well as another a number of other commissioners observing the meeting. Mm -hmm. And he kind of had a few things to say. Uh, it appears he has little to no confidence in the uh, Wildlife Committee's ability to get anything done. I actually took a little excerpt out of uh, that meeting and his statements. Go yeah, ahead and look at that. Yeah, look at this. Commissioner Reagan. Yeah, I, I don't want to throw, I'm going to look at this as a, uh, I have to look at it as somewhat of a skeptic. When I look at the progress that we've made over the last, year or whatever so um and when i look at what we still have to go i have a lot of concerns even the discussion about being able to come up with a model that will tell us how much we can take from these different species in a matter of months that's really really hard i spent six years pulling together the one for northern fur seals and three years working on one monks these are complicated things to do um if we, if we don't identify the key things we ought to do and prioritize them, I think we're going to waste a huge amount of time doing things that aren't really the most important things. And I think that's a pattern that we have gone through over and over again. So we know, for example, that we have a petition on cougar and bear come, that just came in. I was going to get there. Yeah, and we need to be able to deal with that. And so... Leaving that sort of in the background somehow, it doesn't really promote making good decisions on where we're going with that. So I don't know why we can't sit and look at the list of specify. I'm very much in favor of what Woody said. Put it together, a list of what the tasks are that we need to accomplish, but then prioritize those by what are the most important. Because there is a priority. Not every species is in great need of the attention that, say, some species might be. So we need to be a lot more efficient and targeted than just what we're doing now. I, if I were a member of the public watching this, and even as a member of the commission, I think it's massively confusion, and I don't have confidence that we're necessarily going anywhere. Well, there you go. You know, pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Like, the, the current it's, commissioners... It's, it's some, hard to listen to. Yeah, right? they yeah. don't even have confidence in what the committee is doing and in the fact if they have anything that they can get done. Uh, basically, he stated he has to look at this as a skeptic, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes as far as to say, looking at the process over the past year, looking at where we need to go, I have a lot of concern. Yeah, well, rightfully so. My, my favorite part is... You know, when he says that, you know, if I were a member of the public, mm -hmm. right, or even a member of the commission, mm -hmm. um, I think it's massively confusing. 
and I don't have any confidence that we're going anywhere. That's pretty bad. <laughs> well, it's right? coming from one of your constituents within your nine-person right. commission. Right. Is laser-focused on right. the committee. The, the four in that committee have the inability to function and get anything done. Because yeah. i got to tell you, um, it was like watching a soap opera in that apparently you can be gone for two years, you know, and come back and they're talking about the same thing. Well, this meeting yeah. compared to last meeting, it was like identical. And again, DFW staff did a great job trying to reel them in and keep them on, on track here, right. but they have these distractions. So, um, you know, they have, they are tasked with completing the GMP, the game management mm -hmm. plan. Right. And within that, they have chapters to complete, the overreaching chapter, migratory birds, white-tailed deer, elk, and predator prey. Uh, but which, by the way, every time somebody brings up predators or bears or cougars, Smith and Rowland kind of go off the rails and just have this, uh, have this inability to stay on task because somebody mentioned a predator. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, you know, and then anytime you want to talk about, you know, cougar seasons, bear seasons, right? They they shy away from that, right? They don't want to they don't want to write that policy. And mm -hmm. the way this commission's been operating is that um, instead of maintaining the policy that is status quo and the game management model that we've had forever, they just say, oh, well, we don't have the data, therefore we can't have a season, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what they did to us with that spring bear hunt. Yeah, they want to rewrite the policy, tie yes. it up in, in regulation, litigation, right. all the Asians, just try to tie it up right. with not getting any work done, so then you can't set or assign seasons. DFW's hands are tied. And then they use that to just say, well, we don't know, therefore we can't make a decision, therefore right. you can't hunt. Yeah. Right? So they're hiding behind that. That is the shield yeah. that they hide behind, and that is, uh, that is the MO as of late of the Wildlife Committee. Mm -hmm. I have very little doubt, and I'm not hopeful that they'll get anything no. completed in November, and we'll roll into 24 with a lot of questions unanswered. So I agree. we'll keep on that because it's going to continue. All right, going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. We're going to delve into this Steelhead Town Hall recap. Lots of information to cover there, so don't go anywhere. I think you're going to like what you're going to hear. Back after this break right here Fish on Northwest. All Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy. New days, new beginnings, new friends, new loves, new dreams, new goals, new scenery, new job. No matter what the next chapter holds, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate will be there to help you find the new that's right for your lifestyle at any stage of your life. Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Expect better. All right, welcome back here in studio, Dwayne England, Tommy Donlin, and Tommy. Now we're going to walk down Steelhead Lane. Yeah. <laughs> so I sat, that? I sat through and listened to and watched the Steelhead Town Hall uh, last week and took a bunch of notes and kind of watched what was going on. Had my hand raised and wasn't able to uh, make any statement. They had so many people signed on. It's you know it is what it is, and you don't have any option for additional input unless you submit it in writing or you know call if you can get through and talk to a few folks. But your best bet is to submit it in writing. And it's pretty easy. Go to wdfw.wa.gov backslash coastal steelhead and click on that and submit in writing 
perhaps some of the things that you would like to see as they craft the seasons or opportunity mm -hmm. rolling into the 2023-24 season. Yeah, so. so you attended the town hall. What do you think? Are we going to have an opportunity to go after hatchery fish? Yeah, um, we're going to delve into the north coast next week with Robert Kratzer, but okay. tonight we're going to focus on the south coast, and by that I mean Grays Harbor, Chehalis Basin predominantly here, Yeah, and some opportunity there with some hatchery numbers that are projected yep. possibly, and what the impacts to the wild fish would be. Yeah, I think uh, I think we got some opportunity here. That's good news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so WDFW they broke it out. Um, they broke out the entire basin and the tributaries to show kind of the distribution of those fish, and then also something that they call diversity. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe you can help kind of explain that term to folks. What does that mean? And what did they say? Yeah. So you're looking at this slide. You know, um, we hear diversity a lot in common day language anymore. So it, you know, it doesn't catch a lot of people off guard. But really, what we're talking about is all the different contributors or tributaries within the Chehalis Basin, they all contribute, contribute different, um, you know, wild fish numbers. And what we're looking at here is truly just a gauge of um, wild fish in their return capabilities as of late. We can see that it's continued to go down, although last year we had a slight bump in the sats up in the white nuchi from the previous two years. Just not much, but it's hopeful. And that this this represents wild fish, right? Spawning escapement by tributary. Some of these tributaries, don't be misled. They are a very low, almost non-existent contributor, but basin-wide, they all contribute something. Some of them get a lot more wild fish than others. And uh, this is just a gauge or a way of looking at um, how many wild fish are actually coming back to some of these specific tributaries in that in that basin? So when they when they presented this data and these numbers, are they worried about the impacts to wild fish in the entire basin in the upper Chehalis watershed? Like, are, is there a concern? There is a concern overall, but there is also the ability to target certain tributaries and stay off of the main focus, which is the upper Chehalis watershed returning okay. spawning escapement for wild fish, right? So can we conduct fisheries? And I, I'm mostly here focused on uh, what they've given us for a number to correlate with impact. Mm -hmm. And if it affords us the opportunity to go after all the hatchery fish, and I'm drilling down mostly on the sats up in Wainucci, Yeah. right? I'm looking at the sats up in the Wainucci, um because those are two tributaries where there's an abundance of hatchery fish can we safely go after them and not have a huge impact to the wild fish? Right, for sure. So, and so they've got, I think we throw up the next slide, mm -hmm. it's gonna show that number there on the left, which is two, 214. And, mm -hmm. and really what that number is, is the, the impact on the wild fish you know, based on that projected number of wild fish in the basin. So there's uh, 6,000, just shy of 7,000 fish, wild fish coming back to the mm -hmm. Chehalis Basin. The, um, the recreational impact, which is shared with Chehalis tribe, they contribute to impacting on wild fish as well. Uh, they give us a number of 214. That represents the 10% mortality rate, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. They're okay with us supposedly mortality-wise, 214 fish out of the entire season for the entire basin, which means recreational and the component of Chehalis tribe conducting their gillnet fishery, mm -hmm. we're going to encounter 2,140 fish. Yeah. That would, that would lead to potentially, at a 10% margin, yeah. 214 being killed. Yeah, let's talk about the 10% margin for a little bit. And I yeah. think, you know, I've, this has always been an issue for me, <laughs> you know, as somebody with 
uh, you know, heavy math science background and two mm -hmm. engineering degrees, mm -hmm. right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, show me the data. Does it add up? Uh, yeah. Does it even add up? Mm -hmm. and, and, and so that's the mortality rate, right? You catch 10 fish, one of them is going to die. That's, that's what the 10% factor is. And um, I guess what bothers me the most is, you know, we have guys like, you know, Kyle Bushman come on. We talk about the broodstock programs for steelhead down in Oregon. And they're catching these fish, you know, they're spawning them, mm -hmm. and then they're releasing them, mm -hmm. and the mortality rate is 2%. Uh -huh. And it's just like, you got to be kidding me. You know, the fish comes out of the water, it goes into a tank on your boat, mm -hmm. goes for a boat ride, gets put into another tank in the river, mm -hmm. gets taken out of that tank, gets taken off, gets, you know, goes through the process, and then gets put back, and it's like 2%, and we are calculating 10%. And when you have numbers at this level, it drastically impacts whether you fish or you, you know, stand on the beach. 100%. Um, yeah, the 2% impact on that broodstock programming is interesting because as you alluded to, I mean, you have all these times where it's handled and put into different tanks and holding and spawned and live release. Mm -hmm. And overall, uh, year in, year out, you know, they, they stand pretty firm on that 2%. Even if they had a 5%, which I would go, well, that's understandable. These right. fish are being handled a lot. Yeah. How do you how do you uh, connect a ten percent mortality rate to a hook and line landing and release in the river? Mm -hmm. I mean that's it. Now that being said, there are a lot of folks that do not handle fish properly. Yeah. And these fish that are taken in the broodstock program, caught by professional guides, understand how to handle the fish and how to take care of them. But mm -hmm. still, you know the the amount of impact on those fish compared to a catch and release. The 10% is one that they're hanging their hat on, and right. it keeps us way on the side of uh, conservation. So, you know, I guess we'll go with it. Way Let, conservative. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's jump out for a quick break. Much more to get to on this. So don't go anywhere. Back with more steelhead numbers after the break right here at Fish and Northwest. Support from Northwest Sportsmen make Federal Ammunition the world's leading ammunition manufacturer. Federal uses the industry's finest materials, giving you reliable ammunition that delivers superb accuracy and optimum performance. Northwest hunters rely on Sportco to provide the best selection and prices in the Northwest since 1985. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium in Fife and Seattle. Your journey begins here. All right, welcome back here in studio to Wayne Tommy Donlin, and we're kind of working our way through the numbers, buddy, and just kind of putting it out there as if, you know, we think it's reasonable to go after these hatchery fish and not have a huge impact on these wild fish. Right, and, and so then that is the question, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, for these hatchery fish, what kind of season can we have? Is it going to be a December, January season, December through February? Mm -hmm. Like, what does the data tell you? Well, so for the past uh, few years, uh, prior to us not fishing for the last two years, we've had opportunity typically through February. Now, we used to fish all the way into April. Then we would fish into March. Yeah. And then kind of started being this February deal. You can see here on the graph, uh, as the hatchery fish increase and then begin on the downturn, uh, we start getting some, um, you know, higher numbers of wild fish showing up. And there's that crossover point in and around towards the end of February where we have a pretty good mixed uh, amount of both hatchery and wild fish in the water at the time. So you would think um, at some point here, our encounter rate with wild fish is going to go up and our encounter rate with um, the hatchery fish is going to begin to diminish. So we got to find that, that happy medium. It's like, where can we remove as many hatchery fish as we can and yep. uh, then not start having high impact on the wild fish. And I think that towards the end of February, right at the end of February mm -hmm. is a reasonable happy medium 
if we stay off March and April, where a high number of wild fish start showing up. Right, and and looking at the data, it basically says that you know around that time frame, you know, and you look at the area under the curve for the hatchery fish, it looks to me like about 85% of that hatchery run is pretty much done by that middle of mm -hmm. February time mm -hmm. mark, right? Mm -hmm. But if you if you go past that, right, you get into March, now your your impact on the wild fish goes up considerably, right? Yep. After after that February time yep. frame. And if we had a lot of wild fish, like years gone by, it would never be an issue. We would be yeah. fishing and catching and releasing and just everybody's fishing. But mm -hmm. we have to be cognizant of the fact that we don't have a lot of wild fish, but we still have a duty and we have to do our diligence to remove the hatchery fish off the water because why are we planting them? Mm -hmm. If we can't go after them, why are we putting them in there? And we all know the groups that want to come after us if we have too many hatchery fish right. hitting, the, hitting the gravel. So. We gotta, we gotta find a resolution to this thing and figure out how to make it happen. So um, I like the fact that they have broken down, uh, in particular, you know, we can look at the Sats up in Wainucci, for example, they've broken it down by river and uh, numbers that correlate with each one. You can see that, you know, our impact of catching wild fish for say the Sats up in the Wainucci is, is a pretty decent amount of fish caught and released with the correlating mortality on that if it in fact we hit 10%, but the amount of fish to catch within three months, say December, January, February, to get after them hatchery fish, we can encounter a pretty good number yeah, about of a, wild fish. Yeah, about a thousand on the Wainucci and Satsup. And when you when you think about that chart that we just showed that showed kind of the area of the curve for both hatchery and wild, you know, the majority of that wild run hasn't even come through mm -hmm. um, by that by that February time frame. Yep. And so you know, I think you got a really good opportunity to get the hatchery, but not the wild, right? Doesn't yeah, that what the data tells you? Yeah, that's what the data would show. Um, we are going to start encountering some wild fish at some point, mm -hmm. and you know, those early, early fish that might trickle in. Um, you know, there's there's numbers associated with that that uh, we want to we want to try not to exceed, and we were talking about the mm -hmm. diversity a little bit earlier, and we're going to get into this here. So um, we can hook and release 410 fish on the Wainucci and 620 on the sad tub. I really like the fact that it breaks it down, forecast, impact limit, or mortality rate by month. So now we're looking at um, the contribution per tributary, and now we're going by month to see what the actual impact per month could possibly be, and or what we can afford, is what this is really saying, right? Mm -hmm. So we look at the, uh, the month of December, for example, we're going to take um, we're going to take the month of December. We can encounter and release 24 wild steelhead on the Wainucci, 36 on the Satsup. I can tell you that I think we'd be hard pressed to encounter 36 wild fish on the Satsup in December. Right. Um, now that run timing, we've begun to see earlier hatchery returning fish on that river than we did years ago. Is one thing I mm -hmm. noticed the last few years that we were fishing it which is a good thing. I want to see more hatchery fish in there in December because yeah. that gives us opportunity to go after them. So if we're at 24 uh, on the Wainucci and 36 on the Sata, that's telling me that we have, should have pretty good opportunity to get after them uh, as far as the hatchery fish and not have a lot of encounters. Um, that being said though, we have, we have days on that Wainucci where there is potentially 50, 60 boats especially on mm -hmm. weekends. Mm -hmm. So do you think in December on the Wainucci, we could potentially catch 24 wild steelhead with 50 boats a day um, for multiple days in a row? If the fish are there, 
yeah. the potential is there. There's a potential there. That assumes you can get past the plethora of hatchery fish that are in the system at the same sure. time. Also assumes that you've got good water conditions to be able to fish, right, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we may, we may uh, let's say that does happen. So what does that mean? Um, in December, we can catch, like I said, 24, 36 on the Wainuchi, or 36 on the Satsup, 63 on the Wainuchi in January, 96 on the Satsup in January, yeah. okay? Uh, February 87, Wainuchi in February, 133, which could potentially happen because now we have more wild fish coming in. Yeah. So what does it mean if we're hitting those marks per month, uh, if we go up against that number? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Don't go anywhere. We're going to jump out for a quick break. We're going to break those important numbers down and how this correlates to whether or not we fish or not. We come back after this break right here at Fish in Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. All right, welcome back here at Fishing Northwest. So we're delving into the numbers, Tommy. I want to throw that slide back up and really show what this means. So in conversations with uh, staff at DFW and breaking it down, like we're being ultra conservative, diversity in run timing and when they arrive, and we're not mm -hmm. trying to take too many off the front edge. We don't want to whack a bunch of wild fish on the front side of this thing and yep. say, oh, we got a bunch of money in the bank at the end, so we'll be fine. It's yep. like, just do an average. Well, it doesn't work on an average. So in uh, December, let's say it's uh, December 23rd, and we have accounted for 24 wild fish on the Wainuchi, on the Wainuchi per yep. creel surveys that they'll be conducting at the takeouts. They're going to close the river. Yeah. They're going to close it until January 1. Yep. Then we get to go fishing again. Let's say January gets through and we hit 62 fish and it's, December, or it's January 30th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're probably still fishing. Go ahead, George. We haven't... Um, we haven't um, hit up against the wall. Right. And then as we get into February, the numbers are even greater. We have more opportunity to spend more time on the water. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be more wild fish around, but as long yeah. as we don't exceed those numbers, if we do, if it's February 15th, and on the Satsup, we have accounted for 140 wild fish, yeah. we're done. Yeah, it's all relative though, right? The numbers are relative to the size of the wild run at that time. Correct, and and, and it's that diversity component. Right, so so, so the diversity, com diversity in this sense is really talking about, hey, we do not want to kill all that wild fish, you know, impact. We don't want to have that impact all front loaded because yep. we want to be able to have spawners in December, spawners in January. Correct. All the way out to April, right? Yep. If you front load all your impact, yep. now you're taking all those spawners out of the front end, right? And you can think of it in terms of like natural disasters. You have a huge mudslide mm -hmm. in that time frame between December and March and you wipe out the entire run for that month. Yeah. Well, if that's the month where you've now created all of your spawners in, the entire run's dead, right? So that's that diversity piece. That is, and it's not like you can cash in at the end yep. to make up for what you already destroyed at the front side. So we gotta be cognizant of that. The other key component here is, look, we've been asking for, well, if I get told I'm on the sidelines because we don't have money for creel samplers at the takeouts, 
Um, now they say we have money to That's put That's what them they in. told us a couple years ago, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah now they, if yeah. they say we have budget, there will be Creel surveyors at the takeouts, Satsup Wainucci contributing tributaries to this Chehalis Basin. We are looking for factual data. Right. It's, it's to our advantage to give them factual data. You encounter two wild fish and let them go, you should tell the Creel sampler that. Yeah. I don't want to hear this stuff like, no, if we tell them that, they're going to shut us down. Right. If the co-managers are finding wild fish in their in their gillnet fisheries, and we are reporting zeros, right. <laughs> it, it doesn't jive. Right. That we have to provide good science. The reason down in Oregon they're so successful in these broodstock programs is because all the players know the rules, yeah. and they engage in it professionally, and they want to help rebuild these fish runs. Yep. We can't do that by playing this you know, cat and mouse game right. and think we're gonna outsmart DFW. Right. We have to provide accurate data, Tommy, so that when they go to the table, they can start building true uh, yeah. data points and they can start utilizing factual information specific mm. to this basin, not utilizing things generated from around the coastal region. Right, we wanna be part of the data collection for sure. And then um, in the chat, Paul Vesey had a good question. He said, hey, are they gonna, they gonna let you fish from boats? And yes, this is the proposed fishery seven days a week from a boat, no problem. Yeah, so it, it you know, when, that, when I hear, hey, the and they've put the numbers out there. Mm -hmm. Look, here's the benchmarks and the guardrails to conduct fisheries per month. Let's yep. stay between the guardrails and let's go fishing. Mm -hmm. Why would they handcuff me then if they got creel samplers at the takeouts and want to know how we're doing? You have real-time data. Don't preclude people from fishing from boats. There's no need to. Right. We have the ability and the fisher here, the hatchery right. fisher here, give us opportunity to go catch them in normal fishing circumstances. Yep. Don't preclude people who can't access from bank. Don't yep. uh, you know take the senior citizens out of the game that aren't so mobile anymore. Right. Don't take the handicap out of the opportunity to be with right. a guide pulling plugs because that's a great way to go after steelhead. Mm -hmm. So there should be no restrictions, no handcuffing. If they're going to give us these seasons specific to Satsup Wainucci, Skookum Chuck is a component as well because of the amount of hatchery fish they put into the system. But if we're going to talk about rivers that were floating in boats in mm -hmm. fishing and opportunity, Gravel bar access, yeah, sure, but doggone it, let's stay in the boats, let's be honest with the creel samplers, let's go after these hatchery fish so they don't create problems down the road, mm -hmm. and you know what, let's go fishing. Yep. So submit your recommendations to DFW, and uh, make sure you don't let it go by just waiting for everybody else to do the work. They need to hear from us, we need to get our fisheries back, and there's a, uh, there's a reason why we should be on the water, and the numbers tell us exactly why. Okay, nice job, Tommy, um, good info out of that. Let's jump out for a quick break. When we come back, uh, I'm going to wind it down, close up the show. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. For more than 90 years, you've entrusted one brand to guide you toward living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Now you can entrust affiliated Better Homes and Gardens real estate professionals to interpret your needs and help you find the home in which to live your dream through every stage of your home buying or selling process. And through every stage of your life, there's Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Expect better. 
All right, welcome back here, Fish Hunt Northwest, as we close it out. Uh, Rob Larson makes a good point, have people requesting and fishing from boats for Coho in December. We already mm -hmm. have that agreed to fishery, so we should be full-on conducting uh, fishing from a boat, sats up Wainuchi, even on the Chehalis, mm -hmm. the opportunity's there. Now, if they got to curtail the opportunity maybe on the Chehalis to stay off of if they're fearful of those early returning steelhead. Yeah. Um, I could see that, but as far as tributary contribution and Satsup Wainuchi, mm -hmm. coho opportunity, and then catching those early steelhead, that should be a no-brainer. Yeah. That's already agreed to fishery. Yeah. And we've Let's lost out so. on that the last couple of years. So um, lots of good uh, questions on here and stuff, guys. I'm, I'm trying to get through them. Uh, appreciate everybody chiming in. We have a lot of work to do. Want to make sure you are contacting DFW to let them know exactly what you think about you know the up and coming opportunity. Take a look at the numbers. Go to uh, the DFW webpage. Pull up that slide presentation. All the numbers are there, Tommy. You can mm -hmm. see every slide that James Losey and staff put together. All the information they provided. Now we'll give them. You know, I give them a lot of credit because they've come the last three years now each year with a little more information mm -hmm. they're like digging a little deeper they're trying to compile data that makes sense to the layperson so you understand what their goals are mm -hmm. um, I just really think they also need to exercise the opportunity for us to be on the water go after the hatchery fish because yep. I don't want to hear from the wild fish groups next year that oh, there's too many hatchery fish in the system Noah needs to intervene now yeah. and we need to stop planting right. the hatchery fish that is not the ultimate goal here the right. ultimate goal is to get people back on the water make sure everybody's fishing we're That's going right. after these hatchery Create an fish opportunity. so for sure a uh, couple things to think about we got a ton of rain coming through the weekend a ton mm -hmm. of rain so uh, if you're a duck hunter congrats it's going to be a great time if you're not time to go buy that duck stamp <laughs> 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 pull the shotgun out of grandpa's closet and get after it so great opportunity coming up as far as duck hunting we got some uh, sturgeon retention changes we'll get into uh, next couple weeks it doesn't even take place till January lots of things to look forward to um, and Snohomish system uh, updates are that they've opened it uh, back up Tommy Salmon November 1st through November 30th um, daily limit is two again so you're back there catching catching coho in the Snohomish system so that's mm -hmm. always good uh, you're gone the next couple weeks on hunts I am Yes, I am. Elk hunt, whitetail elk, hunt. Uh, yeah, Western Washington hunt this okay. uh, this next week, and okay. then after that, we're going for whitetail. All right. Well, I'll be here yeah. the next couple of weeks, taking a week off uh, Thanksgiving, which is three weeks down the road. So we'll do that. But yeah. um, other than that, um, yeah, join us here each and every week. Uh, we appreciate bringing you the information. We appreciate you tuning in. So it's going to do us for us this week here, Fish Hunt Northwest. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time, right here, Fish Hunt Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the Bait Lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page, at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E. 
AV on YouTube.